Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Electrify News podcast. I am here with New York State Senator Julia Salazar, and she recently put forward a bill that we're very excited about uh, through the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority, or NISERDA. And uh, the bill is basically a rebate for e-bike buyers to essentially help more people get on e-bikes. Senator, thanks for being a part of the show with us today. Absolutely, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I, of course, you know, you're, 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 you're doing our work here. You know, I was, I was telling you before the show, we are in many ways an e-bike show an e-mobility show. So this is like right up our alley. And, you know, we were really disappointed because some of the earlier versions of the, uh, what, what is now called the inflation reduction act, what originally was being called the green new deal. And then the build back better program, they did have some national provisions for e-bikes and electric motorcycles that ended up on the cutting room floor. So to see something like this from the state level, I think for us is very exciting. Can you talk it, talk us through it a little bit and uh, you know, not only what it work, how it works and how, it, how you envision it working, um, but kind of your role in drafting it as well. Absolutely. Um, so We've been referring to this as the Ride Clean Rebate Program in New York. There is a Drive Clean Rebate Program um, that exists for electric vehicles. Uh, But I strongly feel, um, and the advocates who I've worked with on this issue strongly feel that um, we can do even better, much better than incentivizing more people to drive um, electric cars um, and instead want to focus on Uh, incentivizing and making it more accessible for people to get um, electric bikes uh, or or electric scooters um, and create a rebate program through, uh, we call it NYSERDA, the New York State Research and Development Authority, um, to uh, allow uh, these e-bikes and uh, bikes with electric assist um, and e-scooters to be eligible for a rebate up to $1,100, um, which would really make a big difference. Uh, it's a significant discount. Oh, yeah, that's huge. On an e-bike. Yeah. Now, if I understand it correctly, it's a 50% rebate or I'm sorry, rebate. I'm trying to say bike and rebate at the same time. I live with rebike. It's a 50% rebate on a bike's price up to $1,100. So if I'm buying a $2,200 bike, the rebate will cover half of it. If I'm buying a $5,000 bike, I can still qualify for the rebate, but it'll max out at $1,100. Is that, am I understanding it correctly? Yes, that is correct. So it's say exactly. If you bought a bike that was um, $2,500, um, the maximum rebate would still be $1,100. I love how you go to like 2,500 and I'm sitting here thinking like the pivot shuttle is $11,000. I'm getting a 10% discount. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause that's it's, the thing, right? Like bicycles. Bike. Yeah. There are really expensive bikes out there. You know, you can get a really dependable, really reliable e-bike or, you know, for two grand, just like you can get, Oh, a nice Mason jar, by the way. For those of you listening on the audio, we're both drinking out of uh, what I can only assume is water uh, this early in the morning out of mason jars. The senator's nodding. We'll say mine's water too. We'll go with that. But, uh, you know, bicycles are a weird thing, right? Like there's that 
250 $300 bicycle you can get from Target or Walmart or the big bike stores. And then, you know, you can get up to five $6,000 before you even put an electric motor on it if you're getting really nutty. Um, but any of these things will do the job. And especially, you know, I know New York is a huge state. But whenever I say New York, I think most people who are not from New York, they think of New York as Manhattan. You know, a $2,000 e-bike will get you around up and down Manhattan several times before you need to recharge it. So I think it's really good um, that you guys are doing this. And, and I think that's one of the great cities where you can ride a bike and really, you know, do it effectively and safely with bike lanes and things like that. Are there other measures that you're taking in terms of making it easier to be getting around and being mobile. Uh, I know that, you know, there was the closing of Times Square to automotive traffic was a big deal. Are there more streets that you're looking at kind of making more bike friendly or, or what they call road diets here in Chicago? Absolutely. Um, so there is an open streets program in, in New York city to close uh, with um, you know, a lot of consideration for traffic patterns and how it would impact the area, um, but to close streets to car traffic. Um, and we've seen it rolled out, um, particularly it's it's been valuable uh, since the beginning of the pandemic um, to not only minimize car traffic um, in, in areas where there are a lot of pedestrians, cyclists, um, and and to give people the freedom to enjoy the road and enjoy being outside together um as as you know i think the need for it has become clearer over uh these past two and a half years um in in which our our lives have changed a lot um so very supportive of open streets in general and and allocating more of our um our urban spaces in New York City especially to um areas that people can can enjoy using an e-bike a bike uh certainly for pedestrians i think that's the highest priority um because when we make our streets accessible for uh you know, more vulnerable people, um, and particularly pedestrians and cyclists, it really makes the streets safer for everyone, including for drivers. Um, yeah, and, and that's a really interesting point, right? Because a lot of us who are, you know, of that like Gen X, millennial, Zoomer kind of of those generations, we have always kind of been brought up with this idea that the streets are for cars and the sidewalks are for everything else. And that number one, that's really not the case. I mean, for hundreds of years, the roads were for pedestrians and horses and everything else. And it's only the last 40 or 50, maybe 60 years that that's really gone the other way. And I, I'm excited to hear you talk about that. I'm going to kind of throw a little bit of a curveball at you that we didn't talk about before. Um, in California on Friday, they just signed a new law into effect, effectively decriminalizing jaywalking. So you are now eligible or able to, as a pedestrian, effectively cross the street wherever you want. And it's no longer a criminal thing. It's no longer an enforcement issue. And I think that that's part of this idea of, you know, the streets are not just for cars. The streets are for mobility of all kinds. And as more people kind of adopt that micro mobility and they spend more time in their local neighborhood, whether that's because they're working from home or just they've reevaluated their life choices and their decisions and working environment, and they're not spending that two hours a day commuting back and forth, you know, they are looking at e-bikes and e-scooters and even 
I mean, God forbid I walk anywhere under my own power now, but you know, it does happen sometimes. Um, that ability to kind of take back the roads, how important do you think that is for like, I, I think the health of a city, just the physical health of the people in the city. Um, the the decriminalization of jaywalking specifically. No, I, or, I think just in general, yeah. the idea that, you know, the idea of using the streets for more than just a means of getting cars back and forth. Because, I oh. mean, you have respiratory issues for kids. You have people just getting physically hit by cars. You have the, you know, the long term. I was reading a study a couple of weeks ago the long-term effects on human beings of being exposed to the noise of city traffic for years and years and years and how there's a correlation with that as well as, you know, with anxiety and long-term kind of depression and things like that. Cause we're just not getting that kind of rest cycle and things like that. So I think just the, the broader movement of humanizing the streets and, and kind of making cities places for people and not necessarily places for cars, um, I know that's a leading question, but just just like, you know, give me something there. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it is absolutely paramount for climate justice um, and environmental justice uh, impacting uh, you know, the people who have been most severely impacted by the negative effects of climate change. Um, and that's our own district in North Brooklyn, for one. Obviously, it's communities all over the country. Um, but in, um, in our neighborhoods, um, we are along an industrial zone. There is a Superfund site located um, in the district called Newtown Creek. Um, and now, that, the, That's really important, but I think people yeah. outside of New York might not know what a Superfund is. Can you talk yeah. to speak to that for a minute? Absolutely. Um, when a site is um, so toxic um, and it is de determined to be uh, by the federal government. Um, the federal government can can designate it as a Superfund site, which um, on the one hand is is uh, you know indicative of how um, severely toxic it is um, and a warning that it's it's basically hazardous um, for, for people to interact with. but on the other hand it also um, it designates, uh, more resources, federal resources to um, remediating it, cleaning it up, et cetera. Um, and so I, I mentioned that about Newtown Creek, just to say that there is this legacy of um, heavy industry in the area. Um, and we see the effects um, on our, our natural environment and um, in the, the people who live here and, and over generations. So for example, um, in North Brooklyn, we have um, one of the highest asthma rates in New York City and, and actually by an wow. extension in New York State. Um, so th these are communities who have been particularly impacted by the negative effects of climate change. Um, and it, it really um, is a, a major component of climate justice that we reduce car use overall. And, we, and in order to do that, um, on the one hand, we have to implement policies that um, incentivize people to do, do get around um, other than relying on, um, you know, fossil fuel burning vehicles. Um, but we also have to make it easier for them to do that. Uh, and, and that includes right, making it more financially accessible, otherwise accessible to um, acquire an e-bike. Um, a lot of people don't know that um, 
e-bikes are, are not just for individuals who are, you know, fully physically able, who can, who can walk around. There are a lot of people who um, might have challenges walking, um, even driving, who are able to use an e-bike. Um, and so it actually can can um, give people more accessibility in, in that regard as well. Mobility that someone might not otherwise have. That's a great word, mobility. And, and I, I actually, I, I owe someone an apology on this because a couple of weeks ago, uh, my good friend Jennifer Sensaba, who's a writer, another writer at Clean Technica, because we're both right for that same outlet. She wrote an article about how e-bikes make, you know, trails and make the outdoors more accessible for people with disabilities. And she was talking about asthma in particular. And I kind of said some, I don't want to say nasty because I don't think I'm like, I don't think I'm a nasty guy, but I, I took issue with that. I was like, that's not a disability. Like, you know, like, you, you know, like um, our good friend, Tim Seward, who is also a part of this show and he comes out to all our shows, he wears a prosthetic leg and he rides around on an e-bike, but he also skateboards with no electric power and everything else. And that's what my head goes to with disability, not asthma. And she really turned me around because her whole argument was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I can't go out there. Like, there is no, like, and, and even if I could, like on days where I'm healthy and I'm doing everything right and I'm exercising, I can get out five, six miles into a trail. And then there's pollen. There's something that triggers my allergy. I'm having an asthma issue. I can't make it back home. And the ability to just turn on this button and allows me to get back, um, you know, and, and she was writing it from a place of regulation where uh, out here in the Midwest, there's a lot of push from these, what I call purist bicycle riders to say, you're not, you shouldn't be allowed to take an e-bike on the trail. And her argument was that it's an accessibility thing, that these are trails that belong to the state, they belong to the people. And by eliminating e-bikes, you're limiting the number of people who can enjoy these trails. So I, to hear that again from a totally different source, Jennifer, I'm sorry. I know you listen to these. Thank you for putting up with me. Um, do you feel like that, that like there is a push from the non e-bike crowd against e-bikes or do you think New York and Brooklyn in particular is a little bit different and they're a little more accepting of that? Even though I think in New York, there is generally more acceptance and they may be more popular here. There has absolutely been in, in recent years pushback um, against the use of, of e-bikes and trying to, to limit them in, in every way. There are a lot of, and it's, and it's generally from, um, car drivers, not from, you know, traditional Oh, that's bikers. interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they just perceive them as being inherently unsafe, which I completely disagree with, but that's, you know, the way that they perceive it. Um, but it's funny so because like, if you're a car driver, the reason the guy on the bike is unsafe is because of you. Like yes, you are the reason yes. they're unsafe. It's like, Oh, I can't imagine walking across the crosswalk. You're going to get hit by a car. It's like, you're the car. Like you right. are the one who's going to hit us. Right. Please right. Do that. Yeah. And it speaks to this like car culture, this idea culture, that, yeah. yeah, that, um, you know, car, the, the road is for cars and everyone else needs to accommodate the cars rather than uh, the spirit of, um, the roads are for people to get around and uh, cars should have to share the road. Um, and and uh, it really, our goal should be to maximize access to the, to the road um, so that everyone can be safe and, and putting the burden on people driving cars because 
they're, you know, have their, they have the power essentially in any scenario yeah. um, on the road to accommodate the more vulnerable people sharing the road with them, cyclists, e-bike riders, um, and, and pedestrians. Yeah, exactly right. Um, I, I love all of this. Usually we don't, you know, do just 20 minutes of like, man, you're so cool. Thanks for doing all this. But like, I think that's where we're at today. It's just like, we're just so excited about what you're doing. Uh, we want to see other states do this. I know this is something we were talking about before. It hasn't passed yet. This is the second time. Well, it has passed. I'm sorry. It's passed the state Senate, but it hasn't gone through the, uh, the General Assembly yet. So it's still not in law. Um, are you working with, you know, sort of your counterparts in other states? Or are you working with any national organizations to try to push this, uh, this agenda? And if so, how can the people listening to this kind of get on board with that and support you with that? Yeah. Um, so, so right now the status of the bill in new, in New York, right. It's actually passed the, the we have two legislative houses and it's passed the state Senate twice, but it hasn't come to a vote in the state assembly yet. Assemblyman Bobby Carroll is my my counterpart on the bill, the sponsor of the bill in, in the state assembly. And we've been really focused on just trying to make it law in New York. But I do know that um, advocates who've been supporting the bill locally here uh, have been part of, uh, you know, this, this uh, nationwide movement to try to bring this to other states. Um, so I'd love to to explore that more. Um, I've been so focused on trying to get it done here that um, I haven't actually had the opportunity yet to um, collaborate with with legislators in other states. But I think it's really it's a good way of doing public policy um, is is talking, especially when um, there are so many cities that are facing uh, similar the same challenges as as New York. Um, where we could replicate this and where I think uh, people would really be excited about it. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, you know, it's interesting. We were just in New York and unfortunately this, this bill hadn't been on my radar before. So I apologize that we were just in New York with the electrify expo in, in uh, Long Island. We were at Nassau Coliseum. We had, uh, you know, literally hundreds of e-bikes, several thousand people came out and rode the bikes around the course and drove electric cars and, you know, checked out the scooters and things like that. And and were really able to be a part of it. And it's too bad you weren't there. And again, hundred percent, my fault. I would have loved to have had you on the show because we do the live recordings there. And I think you would have had a really good chance to test ride some of these vehicles because I know from talking before you rent e-bikes, you rent scooters, but you know, you're, you're a, you're a good New Yorker. You don't have a car or you don't have your own vehicle. You just kind of like, do the thing. So I think that would be very cool. Um, is there anything about this bill? And I think anything about the e-bikes and what we're doing that you would like to know more about and how we can do some outreach community wise to get some more of these, you know, pro e-bike and pro e-mobility things out there. I think the focus for us in, in Long Island this time was charging, but I think next time it should be policy. Yeah, well, I, and charging is definitely um, part of public policy too. I think you know, make, making sure that um, it's easy for people to safely charge their their e bikes and e scooters. Um, but what I'm really curious about is um, other women who are advocating for uh, you know expanded e bike use uh, because one of the things that that um, I consider about this bill and making e-bikes more accessible is that um, there is a feminist component to it that um, 
women have often um, had our own challenges in using public space um, as women. And I see e-bikes as uh, one of the mechanisms for um, women to enjoy play in public and um, have more um, autonomy in getting around. Um, and I, a lot of the advocacy that I've seen has been, um, you know, it's not, it's not a problem, but it's understandable, but, but with men, um, including in New York city. Um, and so I'm really curious to know if, if there are groups of women who are organizing as women around the issue. So it's funny that you bring that up. Uh, Beth Fateni, who's part of the, and I had to, that's, if you're looking at my phone, I was like, what's her name? What's her name? So, uh, Beth Fateni out of, um, out of Long Island, she's really interesting. She was with the uh, uh, Drive Electric Long Island group, and I'll connect the two of you after the show. She's done TED Talks and everything. She's just awesome, just like one of the best people. And we were talking at the New York show, and she like really kind of woke me up to this idea of, you know, there is this idea of, you know, just get on the public transportation, just go charge up your EV at night. And she's saying, look, a lot of the electric car charging, if it's in the hotel, it's in the back of a hotel, or it's in like the top floor or the bottom floor of a parking garage and late at night, it can be dark. You're kind of like out there on your own. And it's not the most welcoming thing. And it's not something that I, you know, 245 pound guy, it's not something that I think about because like, all right, we'll, we'll solve whatever problem comes up. But, you know, especially with her and her, her explanation was like, look, I drive a, this Tesla. I plug the thing in and I'm used to people coming up to me all the time and saying like, oh, what a neat car. And that's this. And it's always been a positive experience so far. But there's some random guy walking up to me in the middle of the night until he starts talking or even then. It's a scary thing. And so she she feels very strongly about that. And it kind of opened my eyes. And, you know, I, I have a wife and daughters and all that. So I, guess I, I should have been a little more conscious of this. But, um, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't. And she she really opened my eyes to that idea. And I it's interesting that you put that the e-bike in that frame. Right. Because, you know, as a woman, you are more vulnerable. That is just a fact, a sad fact of life. Um and the e-bike, the ability to just kind of get up and go and throttle away from a situation without having to stand, you know, at a bus stop or something in that slightly more vulnerable scenario, I, I think is 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 just huge. Um, when you look at something like that, how hard is it to communicate that to people who? It just effectively men who just don't think that way. Like we don't hold our keys in our fist when we're going into a parking garage. You know, it's just not something that we deal with. Um, you know, probably again, just like the cars, we're the problem, right? Like the car doesn't think of them like we're the problem. So how, how do you communicate that? And how can people who are, you know, how, how can people try to make that better? How can, how can men behave better? you know, when you're on an e-bike so that you're not thinking about that? I think that um, the way to get people to understand it and, and how I've seen people come to understand it is talk about the problems that women are facing in public um, without access to an e-bike. So, for example, on public transit, waiting for the bus, as, as you mentioned, um, in New York City, obviously, public transit is particularly crowded. And 
um, it's pretty well known that it's a different experience, especially for a young woman um, or girls as well, um, who deserve to be able to walk confidently in our city, um, but are subject are just exceedingly more likely to be subject to harassment. Um, and that also is true on bikes. And that I think requires some culture change and um, common understanding that uh, as a woman on a bike, especially if you're a woman who's who's dressed in a feminine way, you might get catcalled by particularly by drivers. <laughs> um, and not really. Just, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I have found uh, as someone who I don't um, usually ride an e-bike, but I ride a, a regular bike um, that drivers can sometimes be more aggressive toward me than, than I think they are toward male cyclists. Um, and when we talk about e-bikes as um, making public space more accessible for women and making women feel safer and more independent, uh, that's really what it's about. It's, it's providing this alternative um, for, for women to, um, get around more confidently, um, and also in, enjoy. It's like a, it's, it's not a sport per se, but, um, it's mobility. But, yeah. You, know, you, but, you can use it as recreation. You can use yes. it as a health and fitness thing, you know, or, yeah. or you can use it just for commuting. But I, I think everything you're saying makes, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's just a, another way for, uh, women to reclaim public space. I, it's just there. There's so much to this that you know, it, it, and it's amazing. I've been doing this, and I've been writing about these things, and and been in this space now for 15 years. And there's still like every time I have a new conversation with somebody, I'm just like, wow, that's a totally different way of looking at it. Oh, that's a totally different space. Um, you mentioned the idea of access to safe storage and safe charging. And that's another one, right? Like I, I was reviewing this bike. Uh, it was called a Hemiway Zebra. And this thing is just giant. It's like when you think of an e-bike as like a fun, great way to get around town. That's not what this is. This is like my wife said I couldn't buy a motorcycle. This kind of looks like a bicycle. I'm going to take this. I mean, it's super fast. It weighs like a hundred and something pounds. Like I had a hard time getting. Yeah, it's, it's like a, exactly. You're riding a zebra, right? It's like the size of an actual zebra. And I had a hard time like there was no way I was getting this thing upstairs. And if you live in an apartment, you live in a walk up in Brooklyn, you know, a big heavy e-bike is an issue. How do you address that as, as a young woman who maybe is not going to hoist a hundred pound e-bike up two pounds, two flights of stairs. Do you spend a little bit more and get the lighter one that's made out of like the more exotic materials. That's now this one's 35 pounds and this one is doable. And then in that case, your rebate really helps in that case. Because now you've made it more accessible, not only from a financial point of view, but from a physical point of view, this is something I can do, right? Or are you looking at maybe like storage solutions, like at the downstairs of an apartment or something in like a like a covered space? Yeah, I think it's it's both. One, the um, the ride clean rebate would. Uh, it's also about giving people more options when you. Um, are eligible for such a substantial reimbursement, then you have more flexibility in determining what you're going to purchase and can purchase something lighter if that suits your needs better. Um, but we also definitely need to see um, more storage available. It would be great to see more public storage available, but we, we truly right now, we need more in general um, to be 
constructed for e-bikes and, and not just more storage, but um, it would be amazing to have um, facilities that are um, compact enough that it's, you know, in, in a city like New York, that's important, um, but also um, for for charging e-bikes as well, because yeah. a lot of people have to charge them in their homes and that de- depending on the infrastructure, that isn't always like the safest thing, especially if multiple people in the building or in the home have e-bikes. Sure, sure. One, th- there is a couple of them out there now that that you know we can connect on this at another time, but that have the removable battery that you can take upstairs. Right. But that's not always the best solution because now you have an e-bike with you know the connectors and cords hanging out, parking in the garage or something. So it's a better solution. Some of them, you know, you have two batteries where you take one with you to charge it, then you bring it back, and there's there's a whole lot of that. Um, but yeah, I think that that's there's. I agree with you. I think somebody needs to come out with like a a bike lock where you can almost have a little locker with a cord where you can plug your battery in and lock that up so that you're not carrying around this heavy battery all day and, and need to figure that out. But like, what a great place to be at where like you know we now we have e bikes with fifty, sixty, eighty miles of range, and we're talking about it you know with the New York State Senator here trying to figure out how we can get thousands of these out there, you know where it's not something that's like a really niche thing where it's becoming a real practical way for people to get around. So thank you for your efforts. You've been kind enough to come on the show. Uh, I'd like to give you a minute to just kind of tell us how the people listening can support you, how they can find out more about what you're doing and, and you know, what you and your, uh, your compatriots there in the New York Senate are doing to uh, kind of make the world a better place. Absolutely. Um, Thank you so much again, Joe, for your work on this issue and your advocacy and that's, um, that's generous. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm sure that <laughs> listeners appreciate it too. I, I certainly do. Um, you can go to nysenate.gov um, and, and from there find my page, Julia Salazar or Julia Salazar. Um, and uh, I also have a campaign website, which is salasarforsenate.com. Uh, and you can always find me there. I'm also on social media. When are you going to do Salasar for president? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I uh, wasn't even a, tr- it wasn't a traditional path to the state Senate for me. So I'm um, still relatively new to politics as a as a candidate and legislator um, was elected four years ago and um, I'm a pretty unconventional candidate so I don't have any plans to run <laughs> for for higher office but uh, but really appreciate it anyway um, yeah and, and I'm also on Twitter um, my handle is at Julia Carmel which is c-a-r-m-e-l with two underscores awesome all right well it was really great having you we'd love to have you on again sometime we are going to be at the electrify expo in miami coming up this weekend we're going to be at uh, regatta park we're going to have water demos with the taiga personal watercraft with the exshore boats we're going to have the uh, flight boards there so that's going to be really fun we're also going to have the same e-bikes and electric cars that uh, you've seen elsewhere probably with one or two new additions uh, that we will be breaking the news on on friday and then 25 percent of the ticket sales to that event are going to go to aid the victims of hurricane ian on the west coast of florida so if you're in south florida and uh, looking for something to do this weekend definitely come on out and check that out obviously follow miss salazar uh you know on her social media and get supportive 
of what she's doing for e-bikes. And um, that's it. Matt usually takes us out, but he's not on the show today. So that's about as good as it gets. Thanks for listening to the Electrify podcast brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at Electrify TV and follow along on social media for daily clips and more.